0: He says, the good soil hears the word, accepts the word, and bears fruit 30, 60, 90, 100 fold. The sower is who? It's God. The seed is the word of God. The paths and the birds are people who hear the word, and then Satan comes up. And so the gospel is going to be clearly outlined for you this morning, if you're listening online or if you're sitting in here. And for some of the people, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying before before it literally even hardly leaves the mouth of the person talking about Jesus and what he did on the cross and the power of his resurrection, that before it even really takes any type of root, the birds come in, the pigeons, the nasty pigeons, and they just go and they just take this stuff. And so before you even get to the parking lot, it's gone. And, And then he makes this other statement. He says there's this rocky ground and they hear the word and they receive it but they dig no roots, and when hard times come, when hard times come, everything crumbles because there's no root, there's no foundation, their house is built of sand, and so we can see that playing out all around us, can't we? That when life is good, then it's kind of okay to say, you know, yes to Jesus, but when life is hard, people tend to do one of two things, Now some people, praise God, man, they just dig in and they don't even know what faith is until persecution comes their way. But uh, but other people, they go, well, you know, I didn't really sign up for this gospel. I didn't really sign up for this lifestyle. I had heard a prosperity message that tickled my ears a few months ago, but I don't really want a piece of this Jesus and they fall away. And he says the thorns are the ones where actually it's the opposite effect They want Jesus, maybe even when times are hard, but when they have all of these things competing for their attention, but whatever they may be, then all of a sudden they're saying, I would rather have these things than Jesus. He says there's this fourth type of soil, and and here's how we know that it's the good soil. There's a few things that happen. Every type of soil hears the word of God. The second thing that happens is exclusive to the good soil. They don't just hear it. Look at me, guys. They accept it. They accept it in all of its complexities. They accept it even though it contradicts culturally what's popular. Are we awake? They accept it even when times are great and even when times are hard because their belief that they walk in is the word of God stands over them and their life and so they accept it but then here's here's the big distinguisher and here's where I think I've missed it. They don't just hear it, they don't just accept it. I know I fall into those categories, but then they produce a harvest in their life and that's the one that is very, very convicting. That they're not just believing something. In fact, they're not even just going to a life group or a Bible study week after week after week. They're not even just having their personal time of reflection. They don't just have a perfect Sunday school attendance and church attendance, whether it be online or in this place right now. They don't just meet the criteria of absorbing information. They're actually reproducing in themselves, through the power of the Holy Spirit, a harvest because they're making Christ known And their personal lifestyle. And it's this gospel of personal responsibility in this text. And here's where it falls down in my life. We have this baby dedication. And if you look back, you can see Charlotte. She's in prayer right now. You can see her in her yellow dress. I have no permission to tell these stories. But I'm just going to keep them vague so they're not too offensive. Um, Alan and Amanda, who are serving downtown. (laughs) Who have Charlotte? This is 100% authentic, real. And their family's in here, and they know it's true. They didn't always love Jesus the way they loved Jesus. We met Amanda when she was 18, and um, she didn't live necessarily a perfect life, and she was hurting, and she had some pretty deep wounds. And, and, and there's people that kind of came around her and discipled her as a young college student. And we love college ministry around You're going to see next service, a lot of college students come to the door. We love college students because it's the most vulnerable time of your life, bar none. It's that time of your life where there's a fork in the road. You're going to go this way or that way. And what we saw in her as she was discipled is she produced a harvest that no one saw coming. I was talking to Micah when we left the baby dedication. He's saying, man, this couple just gets it. They love Jesus so much and they are doing so many good things for us downtown where they're all about everyone else and hearing the gospel and the kids, it's getting the word of God sewed into them in their lives and they're just reproducing. Alan was hurting when we met or a little while after we met. He was going through stuff and, and maybe you don't know what that's like, but, but I can promise you if you go talk to the bearded man named Alan after service and you say, what do you mean he was hurting? If he will divulge what it is, I mean, there's a lot there. He was going through some junk, and, and, and it wasn't like, oh, well, you're hurting, and, and, you know, and you're still young in your faith. Why don't you guys just get married? No, there was this process of discipleship at the church where we saw them both grow, and then they were actually in Ananias' life group for young singles, and they were checking each other out and praying uh, you know, without ceasing about getting married, and now they're, they're married, they have a beautiful daughter, they're reproducing, they're, they're actually just minimally on staff for us, working with children, and God's doing an amazing work in their life. And this isn't the exception, this is the rule, this is the standard. Jesus is saying, your life should look like, if you love Jesus, Alan and Amanda, no pressure Alan and Amanda, I mean, the difficulty of this text is that this shouldn't be some wild example of one in a million. But this is the Christian life. And this is something that I struggle with too. And I, I can just tell you, when you see this happen as a pastor, it is so, it's like golf. Anyone golf? We golfed yesterday with a group of men. It's like golf. You can hit bad shots all day long. You guys know the golf, golf analogy about the one good shot? it keeps you coming back, right? I mean, I'm chunking it, I'm chunking it, bam, I hit it off the tee, I'm 2.30 out, I'm kind of doing a wild pony dance around the, the day. I mean, you get so excited from that one good shot, and that's how it feels in ministry, where it's like the seed doesn't always fall on this type of soil, but when it does, it gets your blood pumping, and it just keeps you motivated, and the Holy Spirit is working in your life as a pastor. Here are some things in my prayer life that I want you guys to hear this morning Specifically last night, I just felt like these are things you need to know. If you don't, and I've already said I just want to clarify it. If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the rest of the parables. And if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the heart of God. If you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand why we make decisions at New Life. This is the filter. It's not a parable, it's the parable. Second thing is this, Jesus isn't always about big crowds. In a culture where we're bringing in, bringing in, and so you you guys know my heart, I'm not saying that we want as many people to hear the gospel as possible, don't hear me wrong, but it doesn't start and stop there, and if it starts and stops with bringing in, bringing in, and not a plan to disciple like Jesus did with his 12, then as soon as there is trouble, are we awake? Do we see the world going on around us? As soon as there is trouble, there's no roots and foundation, and things can get ugly in a hurry. And the third thing that I just feel like uh, I wanted to tell you was Jesus hits the nail on the head. And you're going, well, I know he hits the nail on the head. He's Jesus. Well, just hear my heart behind that. Sometimes Jesus says things, and you believe them to be true because the Bible's inerrant. Sometimes Jesus says things and you go, I already believe it because I believe the Bible. But in my life as a 40-year-old who's been in ministry for a while, I'm going, this is literally exactly how it is. There are these different paths that get scattered and and you see all of these things taking place. This is exactly how it is. And the fourth thing I want to share with you is this before we have a, a couple of things that we walk in together as a church. The fourth thing is this that I thought of last night. It all starts with the Word of God. If there is not an emphasis on teaching the Word of God, we have major issues at New Life. If there's not an emphasis on personal responsibility attached to absorbing the Word of God, we have a major problem at New Life. It's not an if-but-when scenario. If we do not fall in love with the Word of God, there are people in this church, and I can kind of feel their presence this morning because they're going, you're darn right, this should have been preached a long time ago. Well, it's being preached now and I hope I've preached it in the past. But hear me say this again. If it's not about the word of God, we are a soft church on sinking sand and we are one crisis away from crumbling. That is the truth. It is not about your opinion. It is not about my opinion. It is about the standard and the standard is the word of God. If it's not grounded in the seed, It's only a matter of time before it crumbles. Two things that we walk away from this morning. Write this down. The seed is not the problem. The seed is not the problem. I heard a preacher say that with a lot of soul on an audio tape from 1991. And I listened to him last week because I knew this story was coming. He actually got really popular on Right Now Media Uh, but back in the early 90s, I don't know if he was quite as big. His name is Tony Evans, and he looked at his church, and I I think he looked at his church. It was audio. I don't know. Uh, You can find it on YouTube somewhere, but he says, Church, the seed is not the problem. He says this. He says, The success of the seed has nothing to do with the seed. The seed can die as quickly as from here to the parking lot if it doesn't hit the right soil. He says this. He says, The word of God, the seed, comes to you in seed form, and God's sovereignty is scattering the seed how he sees fit. Man's responsibility is the type of soil that we allow ourselves to become, where we don't just hear something, that we absorb it, and then we reproduce it. I mean, there's this common complaint that you hear all of the time in ministry, and in And just depending on the person or life circumstance, I think I've probably said at different points in my life, I've tried the whole church thing. Right now, it's not working for me. And we try to reach people at New Life that have that mentality because we want to show them Jesus. And it's not about church. It's not about an organization. It's about a Savior. I've tried the whole church thing, and it didn't really work for me. He says, the seed is not the problem. here's where I got all pumped up listening to my 91 audio version of Tony Evans. Great preachers all do the same thing that I haven't gotten down. They pause well. He said, if the seed isn't the problem, and then he just pauses, and because he has this church with a bunch of culture, everyone starts getting excited on the audio tape. He says, if the seed is not the problem, and people start going, oh, I heard that. Amen. He says, if the seed is not the problem, then he pauses, and they're all excited, and he goes, then you're the problem and it was quiet. <laughs> I mean if the seed is not the problem, then the only other denominator in the equation is the soil. The soil is the problem. The seed is unchanging. The seed is perfect. The seed is infallible. The seed is yes, same yesterday, today, and forever. The seed isn't the problem. The second thing is just this. No matter how you cut this text, this is the truth. If you love Jesus and serve him, and I know we're all in a different place, there has to be a yield, does there not? I mean, if we've been Christians, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever it is, there has to be a yield, And Jesus makes this point because they all knew the average yield size was 5 to 10, good yield was 8, great yield was 10. When he starts throwing numbers like 30, 60, 90, I mean, the only way that this is even going to happen is if we're saved into action and not just saved into absorbi- absorbing more and more information in our cushy Christian lives. He's, he's saying very clearly there has to be a yield. There has to be a yield. And he, and he breaks it down where he says, I want you to drown out everything going else around you. I know that you just saw a bunch of lepers chasing me. I know that you saw a demon-possessed guy, and nobody really liked that. I know that you saw uh, someone come through a roof, and everyone's freaking out. I know that this world is chaotic. And here, here's a wake-up call for us, 2020, one of the most unpleasant years of my life, specifically in ministry. Jesus dealt with more issues than we're dealing with right now. There's nothing new to this issue called hardship and suffering. Jesus had it worse. And he takes all of the noise and all of the chasing. He gets in a boat. He preaches to the crowd. He isolates the crowd. He says, come on in. I've got a story to tell you. I've got a parable amongst all parables. And you need to hear this. And I want you to drown out the noise. And I am going for the next few years of my life before they murder me to invest in you 12 guys. And I am going to show you what this looks like so that you can multiply because the yield has to be there. And the problem with the church that Greg felt, that wasn't staged. Like I didn't say, Greg, you say this, and then I'm going to get up and wham, I'm going to hit him with another side of this. This is the problem with what's going on in the local church and in, in, in culture right now. But especially, I can't control all of culture. I, I just have this influence over people that call new life their home. The problem with the church right now where you see so much dissension is that there's a lack of unity and there is a lack of community. And the community thing is just a a situation that we're in. That's a very complex situation. But it doesn't matter what else is going on. There has to be unity in the church. And if we can't agree, like Greg was talking about, on a lot of opinions or secondary issues or, trust me, it's hard for me to believe right now, 2020, some things that are going to pass, amen, it won't always be this way. If we can't agree on every one of those issues, it's okay as long as we can unify around this parable. And so if you walk into this place or listen online and you're frustrated, maybe what, what started was as concern has now grown into resentment. If you're, if you're frustrated or, and maybe even bewildered about some, with the way that some things are going, even in your church right now where you know people have this opinion or that opinion, what I'm asking you to do as your leader is I'm asking you to unify around this text and fall in love with the word of God and ask yourself the challenging question, what do I look like? What type of soil am I? I'm going to share something with you and then we're going to close that has been rocking my world and it's on Netflix. And most good things come out of Netflix. <laughs> and I want you, I, I, I say this, and actually it's, it's, very, it's a secular bend, it's a, sec, it's a secular philosophical worldview, but it's so intriguing that you need to watch it. If you're too young in your faith to decipher from the secular and, and God's worldview, then maybe you need to wait. But for the rest of you, check out this thing called The Social Dilemma. Anyone seen it? How many of you were like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea? I've been racking my mind around this idea of unity, going that this is the text that's going to unify the church. And, and here's how the social dilemma breaks things down. It says this, that there is this calculated effort to manipulate you, and this calculated effort is named social media. If you have a teenager and you don't watch this, something's wrong with your head. The calculated effort to manipulate you is that you are going to be polarized on purpose by technology that's been developed that is way past the understanding that you even have of how sophisticated it is. And it's gonna manipulate you with a clear purpose. Here's the clear intent of social media and the internet. It was literally designed this way and all of the head CEOs are confessing, yes, this part is true, even if we have disagreements on other issues. This part's true. The premise of these things is to manipulate you into greater screen time and the way they manipulate you into greater screen time is to keep feeding you more of the opinion that it thinks that you want so that you have more time with them and more money with advertisers. That is the purpose. And I want you to just look around in 2020 and ask yourself the question, would things be so crazy without modern technology? Yes or no? Of course not. And so if you search this, and so here's an example, climate change is, fill in the blank, based on your search history, demographic, and region, it's going to give you a cluster subsample of things that it thinks you want to hear, top five list so that you can click on them, regardless of even what the truth might be. And I'm not preaching climate change here, you're never gonna hear, I don't, I'm just not smart enough, right? But I'm telling you, this is so interesting, and so what we have is you're clicking on Facebook, or you're liking this friend, or you know, you live in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and so all of a sudden there's these shotgun shells that you can buy. It is all scripted to manipulate, and it's not all bad manipulation, a lot of it's innocent but it's all scripted with this narrative of how can we keep you engaged and how can we use you as a commodity to sell you off to somebody who wants to advertise to you. And now let's put it in context. Here's what they've come to find out, that the world is more polarized than it's ever been in modern history because people are only getting this information over here. Are we awake? And they're getting this information way over here. And this side is saying, I cannot believe how stupid people have become. And this side's saying the exact same thing, largely in part. And here's where it all ties together largely in part because they're getting their information from a source that is wired to manipulate instead of the Word of God. And Jesus is saying, This is the parable amongst all parables. Dig into the word of God as your source of truth. Take it in, believe upon it, and multiply. 2,000 years later, it's the exact same script. Here's my closing question. Which soil are you? Which soil are you? This is a gospel of personal responsibility. This is a parable of personal responsibility. Are you the soil that falls on the path where the birds pick it up? Are you the soil that when it faces persecution says, I'll check this out later when my life gets better? Are you the soil that says, my life is so good that I don't really want to give everything to Jesus? Or are you the soil that says, whether it's good, whether it's bad, I'm going to focus in on the word of God and allow it to transform my heart and I am going to be a disciple maker. Which soil are you? God is calling his church away from accusations and finger pointing and looking at this through the lens of a self-reflective gospel and saying, I want to know, Drown out the noise. Drown out the noise. I want to know where you're at. And I want to know where you're at. And I want you to put down your stones and put down your weapons. And I want you to get on your face and seek me first in all that you do. And I want you to be a disciple maker for my kingdom advancement. And when the gospel really grabs hold, there is nothing that can be done about it because the soil is so rich and the roots are so strong that the gospel goes forth with power and urgency and the local church thrives. you guys remember what I told you last time I preached? I said, this is a season where we're going to get passionate about the gospel and churches that don't are going to die. When it gets in the good soil, everything changes. Do you know Christ crucified and the power of his resurrection? Have you just heard that but not listened? Do you know this, Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. In this season that we're walking into that's complicated, as a body of Christ, Lord, help us to drown out the noise of all the things that are vying for our attention. We, of course, listen to some of it, but God, help us to spend more time in your word than on the internet. Help us to kind of rally behind this idea of unity in the gospel. Unity in multiplying our efforts. Unity in absorbing your word. And grow us and mature us in our faith. And bring us back together whenever you see fit in a physical sense. Bring us back together with an absolute passion to reach our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, and to make your name great in Aberdeen and in the nations. We pray this in your name. And everybody said. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray this message connected with you, and we hope it gave you another way to connect with Jesus and your New Life family. For more ways to get plugged in here at New Life, you can visit our website at www.newlifeaberdeen.org. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.